Excellent. Good to be here with you this December the, what are we, 6th? Gosh, who feels like this year has just gone like that and it's Christmas already. It's crazy. I love Christmas. I love, I love the, the trees and the presents and uh, the, all that stuff, even though we, you know, have frost-tinted trees because it's winter and, and, and New Zealand summer. Uh, but it's always good to think about what it's all about. You could probably turn the, the pad sounds off now um, or fade them out gently. Uh, and we know that, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, God, big God coming into our world. And uh, so we, we're doing a, a series, um, a Christmas series. Um, and we're calling it God Came Down. God came down because that's what he did. He came down from his glory to be with us. And it's a great time to celebrate uh, that. This morning, though, I, I want to actually take a... Um, one step back from Jesus coming, and I want to talk about his forerunner, his predecessor, his, the, the one who came before and heralded his way, John the Baptist, because he's often, he, he gets a bit of overlooked, son of God, you know, you, you would get overlooked, wouldn't you? Um, but John plays a really key role uh, in the coming of Jesus, and it's interesting, I, the book of Luke is probably the best kind of story of the um, of the Christmas um, story, and it's got you know the, the angels and the shepherds. Mary was alluding to before, but it's also got a, a chap, chapter one. It's all pretty much about John the Baptist. It's got a whole chapter pretty much dedicated to the. There's a bit about Jesus' birth, but a lot of it is about John and how he came into the the world and how he was an answer to prayer. And I actually felt as I was preparing this message that prophetically. We need to be like John the Baptist. We as a church are like John the Baptist. Now, let me explain. The whole role of John the Baptist was to point the way and to clear the path for the coming of the king. And I think that is actually the mandate, the role of every Christian, to clear the to, to point to Jesus and to clear the path so that we others can find him, can, can, can make a way to him. And so, but I actually feel even, even not just for all Christians, but for us specifically, and us in, in the city of Timaru, it's our role to point the way to Jesus and to clear the path. Because I don't know about you, but I've, I've lived in Timaru for about nine years, gosh, coming up to 10, maybe. Uh, and there's something about Timaru that it's possibly indicative of small town New Zealand, um, but I think it's especially true here. There's a there's a lack of of um, of hope and a lack of motivation, a lack of dreaming beyond their small world, and 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 this isn't true of everyone, but there is a general kind of sense um, that you know this is kind of it. And uh, possibly those of you who've grown up in the city know that better than I. But I feel that, and I actually think it's a spiritual um, thing that sits over the city. And I think it's something that we are called to break. I think it's something that we are called to, to come in the opposite spirit and to, and to break over the city. And I, I've just been realizing afresh that it's actually going to change first in the spirit before it changes on the ground. Before we see it in people's lives, it's going, it needs to change in the heavenlies. And I think a part of that is for us to carry this mandate 
of John the Baptist. So this this is a this is a I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if I was preaching this to one person because I actually feel that's something that I need to declare into the heavenlies. The Spirit of John the Baptist, that we are going to point the way to Jesus. We're going to clear the path for him and, uh, and essentially do a miracle in this city. We're going to break ground in this city. Um, so John the Baptist, if you don't know, he's the, he's the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they're, um, they're both descendants of Aaron, so they're both priestly families. Uh, and Zechariah himself is a priest. But the great sadness in their life is that they haven't had any children. They haven't been able to have any kids. And, and in those times, that was a big deal. That was like a sign that God had abandoned them. He didn't love them. He wasn't for them. And... Uh, and that, essentially that they were cursed. And they were both well along in years, the Bible tells us. So that means they were pretty old. Uh, and they essentially needed a miracle. And John was, John was their miracle baby. John was, you know, you talk about a miracle child. Well, he really was a miracle baby. And even more than that, he was prophesied. At the end of the Old Testament, the very last couple of verses, before the big silence between uh, the Old Testament and the New, which was about 400 years, the last thing that's talked about, I'll read it to you, Mal- Malachi 4, 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So, John has prophesied 400 years before he comes. Uh, 400 years is a long time. Like, I've been around 40. So times that by 10, and that's how long it took for John to come. Uh, sometimes the, the, the time spans in the Bible are just, we just say, oh, 400 years, you know, like it was yesterday. A lot changed. 400 years, no, no, cars were around, no cars were around 150 years ago. Like, things have changed a lot. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not just going to do a, a character study on, on John. I actually want us to, to capture something of his heart. So I want, I want, I want us to essentially ask the question, how, uh, how can I be like John? You know, you know that, that phrase, Michael Jordan, was like, I want to be like Mike Horton on the sound. Uh, although John Horton's good. Uh, but I want to be like John the Baptist. So here we go. So he's got... It prophesied that he will be like Elijah. Now, it's important to understand that Elijah was the prophet of prophets. So he was this Old Testament dude who passed on a mantle onto Elisha, his, um, the one who followed after. And it was actually a double forerunner for us. He passes on a mantle to us. He says, now that, now that I'm gone, you are called to, to herald in the kingdom of God to point the way to Jesus, to clear the path for him. So obviously I'm using a bit of prophetic license here, um, but you can grant me that this morning. Uh, But I really feel we need to be a church of John the Baptist for Timaru. So I'm going to give you four or five ways. I say four or five because some of my points are a bit loose. Um, we, We are called to be like John the Baptist. Okay, number one, number one is that we are called to be set apart. Set apart for God. Consecrated is the the fancy Christianese term, we're consecrated. God has called us by name. So yeah, Luke uh, 1, 57 to 62, I'll read it to you. This is um, 
part of John's story. It says, When it was time for Elizabeth, Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he used to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name, his, name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. You know, you've got to know that up until this point, he's been struck dumb. He can't speak. So he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Your name doesn't have to be John, okay, <laughs> for you to carry this, this mantle. But I really get a sense we need to realize that actually God has named us. God has called us who we are and who we are to become. No matter something else in the spiritual. There's, a, there's precedence in the Old, Old Testament. Abraham became Abraham. Jacob became, which meant deceiver, became Israel, which was the, the house of God. Uh, you know, Paul in the New Testament, he was originally called Saul. God changes names. And I believe God, when you come to know Christ, he changes your name. He gives you a new sense of who you are. He sets you apart. He consecrates you. For his purposes. So there is a holy purpose and a holy calling on your life that only you can fulfill. And as I said in Timaru, there's this lack of ambition, this lack of higher calling. We carry that wherever we go. Every situation we go into, by us being who we're called to be, we, we shift atmospheres. We change circumstances. Now, this doesn't mean that it all comes easy. And as a part of being consecrated, a part of being set apart, there are things that we have to do, things that we have to give up. For John the Baptist, it was alcohol. He was a teetotaler his whole life. He wasn't allowed to touch a drink. So I guess he never knew any better. But there are some things, and maybe it's alcohol, but there are things that we need to give up in life in order to fulfill the purposes of God. And I know this... We don't like, in our Western culture, we don't like sacrificing things. We don't like giving things up because we think, man, God, you're just supposed to give us all the good stuff. But actually for God to do the good stuff in your life, sometimes we need to give stuff up. We, we love the idea of entering into Jesus and his promises, but sometimes we need to enter into Jesus and his sufferings. And that's not so fun. Um, the setting of Thomas. There was something that changed, shifted inwardly, but there was an external thing that he did. I'll leave that for you to decide. Fasting is a part of that. We've just come out of a fast. That's something that we do externally that shows that we have changed internally. There are things that maybe you need to give up. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's a certain group of friends that are dragging you down. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's your time. That's a big one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's your weekend time. Maybe that you need to give up some of that. Maybe it's a weeknight to, to, to spend some time in an e-group. But there, there's always a cost to being a disciple. We don't always like it, but there's always a cost. But the payoff always outweighs the pay. The benefits always outweigh the cost. So, so as, we, as we come and we consecrate our lives, we say, God, I am yours. I am wholly yours. Don't be surprised if he says, okay, what are you going to surrender and it's at that point, sometimes we go, ouch, 
Because often the thing he puts his finger on is the thing that actually you really don't want to give up. Because that's become a stronghold in your life. And he knows that. And he knows if he can break that, then things will go well. Things will shift in your heart. I won't tell, I'm not here to tell you what those things are. Some, some people are going, ah. some people are realizing what those things are. That's good. That's healthy. Act on that. All right. Okay, so firstly, we're set aside. We're set apart from, like John the Baptist. Secondly, we are filled with our own strength. We don't have to just conjure up the strength to do it. Luke 1.15 says about John, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is to never take wine or other fermented drink. We've covered that. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So the consolation of him giving up wine and alcohol is actually that right from birth, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need natural spirits. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that empowers him and that gives him all that he needs, and that gives him um, social confidence uh, in situations he needs it. When uh, alcohol um, might give that to you, no, he has the Holy Spirit to do it for him. Um, John did all that he did by the power. He did some pretty amazing stuff. And we would be fooling ourselves to think that we can do the things that God has called us without the Holy Spirit, without him empowering us. You see, more than our smart plans and our clever words and our hard work, we need the Holy Spirit. If we're going to see Timaru change, yeah, it'll take hard work, but actually more than that, it'll take the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. So this Christmas, I'd encourage you, you know, you, talk, you hear that phrase, the Spirit of Christmas. I don't know what the Spirit of Christmas looks like to you, what you think of that. I, I often think of uh, my favorite book at Christmas, which is A Christmas Carol, and the spirit that comes on Scrooge, not Scrooge McDuck of DuckTales fame, but the original Scrooge, when he, when he just has an encounter with some, some ghosts, some spirits, and, he, and basically the spirit of God comes on him, and he's just filled with generosity. He's just like, wow, I just want to be so generous and loving and kind and forgiving and good. That is the spirit of Christmas. That is actually the true spirit of Christmas is the spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, so this Christmas, can I, can I encourage you? You know, don't get caught up in the spirit of the world around Christmas, which is like buying stuff and consuming things and having a massive ham and eating and gorging yourself on way too much food and then lying there thinking, why did I do this again? No, that's not the spirit of Christmas. That's the spirit of gluttony that's come upon you. The spirit, it's all right to eat food at Christmas, but the spirit of Christmas really is a spirit of generosity. So how can I bless those around me? How can I, how can I help my neighbor? How can I, how can I serve my kids? How can I serve my, my family? I love it that we're, we're gathering presents for women's refuge. That's the spirit of Christmas. That spirit of generosity. That's giving. That's showing God's love and His grace in this season when so many people are frazzled and going out of their minds, especially after a year like we've had. So the Holy Spirit needs to empower us if we're going to bring the message of John the Baptist. Number three, and this is really... This is the message of John the Baptist. And this is what I really want us to capture this morning. Is we're going to carry that spirit of John. It was, we're called to prepare the way for Jesus in people's hearts. 
We're called to prepare the way for Jesus in people's hearts. Verse 16 of Luke 1 says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is the prophetic mantle that John has given from Elijah all those years back to bring back the loss to God. And that's the mandate that God gives us. As I said before, to point the way and to clear the path. To point the way and to clear the path. John literally pointed to Jesus, right? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin in the world. Like he's busy doing his thing, baptizing. And then he points, he says, there he is. How do we? How do we? You don't need to get your camel skin gears on and uh, grow a beard like mine and, and go insect eating on us uh, to be like John the Baptist. You know, that, you're probably not going to be pointing the way to many things except um, probably eye cams uh, if, if you if go around like that. But you've got all powder eye cams. They do a great job. Um, but what we've, what we've got to do is essentially think, how am I pointing to Jesus? What about my life? Is showing the love of Christ. What words am I saying? What encouragement am I bringing? Am I offering to pray for people? Am I being generous? Am I am I am I bringing a calmness in the storm of people's lives? Am I am I taking my time just to help and to serve someone? See, everything we do either points towards Jesus or away from Him, and so often. We, we slip into a selfish kind of world and we forget, actually, we, we're called to give. Jesus says it's far more blessed to give than it is to receive. So we're going to point the way to Jesus in everything we do. And we've got to clear the path. What does clearing the path look like? Like John the Baptist is near. That was his clearing the way for Jesus. Again, you don't need to stand on a soapbox and, and tell people they're going to hell and that you, they need to repent. But there is a, there are, there are obs- think about it this way. There are obstacles in people's ways for them coming to know Jesus, right? Our job is to remove those obstacles, to make it easy. Some of those obstacles are actually... We could fix them in a moment. Like, I reckon we could see way more kids saved at driving youth <laughs> there. Like, the obstacle for them is actually physically getting there on a Friday night, getting their parents to drop them off or getting them there. That's, that's a physical, a very obvious obstacle. Your friend, the, maybe the biggest obstacle to them coming to church is them just getting out of bed in the morning. So you coming <laughs> and banging on their door with some coffee and breakfast and saying, come on, come to me. That's an obstacle overcome. You're clearing the path for them to come to know. So often we just don't think of these things. We think, oh, well, they should, they should just come. They're not just going to come unless you invite them. They're not just going to come because there's a whole heap. Of, we don't need them to bush bash their way to church, right? There's a whole lot. We could clear a path. We could make a highway for them that it's easy. Instead, we're kind of like, we might mention church once and say, oh, we come. But we, how, how are we going about clearing the path 
so that they can, it's not just coming to church, right? Yes, they'll find God in church, but it's, it's wider than that. See, some of the obstacles are, are in people's minds. Some of the obstacles are far harder than just getting out of bed in the morning. It's broken mindsets that have been there since their childhood about what church is about, about what, who God is. Those ones are harder to break down. But we can do that. We can pray into those. We can encourage, we can live a life that speaks of the kindness and the goodness and the reality of God. That will break down those obstacles, break down those barriers. How do we clear the path? The paths for your friends, for your family, are different to mine. And that's the beauty of God. He knows the path for every person. He knows their way to finding Him. And He wants you to partner with them in that. He wants you to, 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 to take them by the hand and to guide them there. I love the, the phrase that, that Malachi uses specifically that, that John is told he's going to do. Turn the hearts of the parents to their children. Malachi verse then says, and the children's to their parents. Although the, when it's quoted in, in Luke, it says, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I love that that children are just swapped out for disobedient. Uh, anybody, anybody get, can I get a witness there? Uh, maybe it's just, what does that mean? To turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the, and the hearts of the children to their parents or the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I think that means we're, we're especially mandated to restore relationship. God is a God of relationship, right? And so bringing people to God is not bringing people to a set of rules. It's not getting people to toe the line and do the right things. It's actually bringing them into relationship with a loving Father. And a part of that is actually restoring relationships because we can't have broken relationships here on earth and without, well, without a, a connected relationship with God. But if our relationships are broken on earth, then that re represents that actually things aren't right with us, with God. Because, you know, you can't say you love God and then hate your neighbor. So, so we're actually called, and I, and I love how it puts the parents first. Actually, it's the parents' job. We need to come down to connect with the kids. And that's something that I think specifically is mandated for us as a church, and we carry as a movement, is that the adults in the, in the equippers movement have realized that actually for God's kingdom to be established, for it to flourish, we need to release the next generation. We need to reach out to the next generation and draw them and lift them up. And to do that, we need to sacrifice our own preferences. So that's why we do songs where you've got to dance like this and you've got to jump up and down and why we're uh, that, and step that up a notch. No, no, you see the kids, they love it. I grew up in a church where I hated going to worship. It was just so boring. I used to sing these hymns that, oh, look, it's not a pleasant experience. I don't want my children to, to feel like, oh, I've got to go to church. Oh, such a drag. 
we need to we need to actually reach out to the next generation. We need to say so, and, and so that's why when and people of the church go, oh well, I just kind of feel like I can't connect in worship, and we're just not, you know. I'm like, hey, look, that's okay. You've got 24 hours a day, six and a lot, of, most of the rest of the days of the week to do your own worship and connect with God. You do that how you want to in your own home. When you come here, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. Having a space where people can come in and go, wow, this is fun. This is exciting. This is not what I thought church was about. Uh, and so that's just one way we, think we, we, we try and, and have parents reach down. But there's many other ways that we actually need to, we need to lead as parents. I think humility is a massive way. Just by having the community say, hey, I'm sorry, I stuffed up. That's not an old parenting model. Old parents, do what I say because I say it. That's how I was brought up. Um, sometimes I want to revert to that because <laughs> it's easier. Uh, but I think we're called, if we are to carry that mandate from, from John the Baptist, is actually to humble ourselves, to lift others up. That's what John did. He said, I have to decrease that he may increase. People were going to him, hey, John, that's, you know, Jesus, he's stealing all your disciples. Come on, how do you feel about that? And John was like, good. That's the way it should be. We don't disciple people to ourselves. I, I, we don't disciple people to equip his church. We disciple people to Jesus Christ. And if they come in through this church and then go somewhere else, that's okay. We're doing our job. Because we are, we are drawing people into the kingdom of God. That's our mandate as a church. I, I, and I really, far too often, I see it. There's, the, the church in Timaru is just shuffling of the deck. It's just like you're, 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 the, the phrase is that you're shifting the, the um, deck chairs around on the Titanic. You know, like nothing's changed essentially. You're just moving around the same people. I don't, I, I don't want to stand for that anymore. I want to see salvations. I want to see the lost coming to know Christ. I can look at some of you this morning and know that that's, that's happened for you in this house. And I rejoice, but I want to see far more. And I want you to catch that heart because that was John's heart. From the outset, it was like, we need to follow this man, Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Come on. So that's our job, to, to, to point the way and to clear the path. Turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I like that phrase. You don't do that by standing on your soapbox and telling people how wrong they've got it. <laughs> we need to get off our high horses sometimes and calm down, take someone by the hand, walk alongside them. Man, it's a journey to lead someone to Christ. Very seldom does it happen. Like we think, oh, it just happens in a moment on a church on a Sunday. But there can be years of prayer, years of they eventually make that call. We actually need to get into the mess of people's lives, lead them gently by the hand of Jesus. Okay, number four. We still with me? Still with me, church? Cool. Show the mercy of God. Number four, show the mercy of God. You see, we do this. We we fulfill this mandate by actually showing mercy, showing the love and the grace of God. 
So John's dad, Zechariah, he sings a song over, over, it was all about, that's what you did back in the day. Don't know uh, if you did that, Phil, when you had a son recently, you sang a song over him. Um, but uh, this is what John's dad, Zechariah, sings. And uh, there's a bit that he sings about Jesus, and then picking up in verse 76, he says, And you, my child, I'm not going to sing it, I don't know, I don't know the tune. Uh, <laughs> We'll be called, it was sung to the tune of happy birthday. Uh, we will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the of peace. I love that. And verse 76 says, You'll prepare the way for him. We've talked about that. We're to prepare the way for Jesus. And then verse 77, essentially it's saying you're going to tell the gospel. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. That's essentially sharing the gospel. I, I want to ask you, do you know how to share the gospel with someone? Like, uh, you don't have to have like it word perfect, memorized, Version. There are some key things you've got to hit along the way, like Jesus, death, resurrection, those things. Um, sin, righteousness. Um, so the little Savior, Jesus is Lord. That's essentially the gospel in a nutshell. But you don't even have to do that. Like I, I, I realize more and more that actually there's so many paths to Jesus, so many ways to him. And eventually we, we get the bigger picture. But sometimes, you know, you don't, don't feel you have to preach the whole gospel in a moment. But I would encourage you, know how to do it. Know how to share it. Know, know it because it's important for you. But then also, who knows? You know, you're not always going to be able to get people in the space. We will always share the gospel on a Sunday. But, you know, some people, they're not going to get that opportunity. So know how to do that. But here's the key in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God. It's all got to come out. Essentially, that's the love of God for you and for me. When we share the good news about Jesus out of that place, it lands in people's hearts. When we share it out of a sense of, ah, oh, I know better than you. Ah, oh, you've got to sort your life right out. Ah, oh, you, you know, you're just living in your brokenness. And No, no, if when you share it with the love, the genuine love for that person, then, then people feel that. They know, they might not necessarily agree with it in that moment, but they know you're doing it out of love for them. I've shared the gospel with my brother many times. And, uh, and I, last time I shared it, I, I, I kind of was like, and where are you at with this, Matt? And he was like, same place I was last time you told me. I was like, okay, that's cool. Well, it's not cool, but, you know, I, I love him and I, and I know that you know, God wants him in relationship with him. But he knows that I share that, not, not just because I'm a pastor, that's my job, but because I love him and I want God's best for him. When you share out of the tender mercy, when, when we carry that spirit of God that we love people, not just so we can say, yes, I've shared the gospel, or yes, that's, but actually because we love them and we want to see them know Christ. Then, then people will get saved. People will come to know him. Hearts will be restored. The ultimate restoration of parents 
two children as our parent, our dad in heaven, being restored with his children on earth. That's what we're called to do. Can I invite uh, Kristen up on keys? And so the end result, and I love this, and I love that at Christmas, this is heralded, is that peace comes. We guide people to peace. The, the, the passage there says, God, it's God actually, he says, guides our feet in the path of peace. I love that. The end result of us coming to Christ is peace in our hearts. Peace on earth. You know, Luke 2, 20, 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom His favor rests. That's what the angels heralded when Jesus came, was there will be peace on earth. In our turmoil of 2020, of this year of pandemic and craziness, more than ever else, we need the peace of God. I know I need the peace of of Christ in my life this Christmas. And so part of walking with the spirit of John the Baptist is actually to bring peace to the world by pointing people to Jesus. I I recently uh, read a a definition of of a leadership, and it was simply this, that a leader is a non-anxious presence. A leader is simply a non-anxious presence in a situation. See, when we, when we come into a situation and we bring peace, we bring calm, we bring a sense of order from chaos, then we're actually leading like Jesus did. If you think about how Jesus acted, everywhere He went, He brought peace in people's hearts. Yeah, sometimes He stirred people up, for sure, but ultimately, when he came, it was peace on earth. So, in every situation, I just encourage you: Are you are you bringing a non-anxious presence, or are you amp- amping up the anxiety? Are you coming in and you bringing panic and stress and whatever, or are you coming in and you're bringing the peace of God into a situation? We need to speak peace. We need to be that calm presence. And ultimately, we do that when we guide and we point people to Jesus. Because He has to be the peace in us first before we can bring any sense of peace in the world around us, right? We need the peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus before we can bring the peace of God to the earth around us. So I, I, I want to I spend some time. This is a... An interesting season. It feels like things are winding up, winding down, but things are also winding up. It's a strange time of year. You think, oh, yeah, we're winding down for the year. But actually, like, we've got a show in here this afternoon that our girls are in. They were in last night. There's been heaps of practice. Things are actually, they're more stressful, although they're winding down. So why don't you stand to your feet? And in this in this moment, I want to pray for two things. I, I want to pray prophetically over us as a people that we carry that mantle of John the Baptist, that we would point the way to Jesus and clear the path for people to come to know Him. And I want to pray for peace. 
I want to pray that the peace of God would be in your heart this Christmas. New. And there would be peace on earth in your world because first there's peace in you, in you from Him. So if you're in either of those, actually, no, let's pray for peace first of all. If you're here this morning, you're like, ah, I need the peace of God because things are a bit crazy, crazy at the moment. Things are a bit cray cray in your world and you know you need the peace of Jesus. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. It's awesome. Okay. There's people who are feeling, feeling the, the hustle and bustle of Christmas. Right now, let's just come to our Father. God, I thank you that at Christmas time, you came to bring peace to the world. I pray right now you would bring peace to our world. You would bring peace to our hearts right now. You would reign in the hearts and the lives of these people who are calling out to you now. Holy Spirit, you would come and place a deposit in them that is going to shift something internally. That they leave this place not more anxious and not amped up, but rather with a peace to know that, yep, I've got this with God's grace. This Christmas is going to be good. God is going to be with me. He's guiding me through that. I pray for that now in Jesus' name. And, and now I actually want to pray for all of us. You can raise your hand if you like, but I just want to declare the Spirit of John the Baptist over us all. Is that good? And I want you to agree with me in your spirit. Don't just passively let me pray, but let something stir in your heart that is an agreement that, yes, I carry this mandate for our city. So let us pray together. Father, I thank you that we are called equippers for a reason. We're not Sunday. We're about equipping people for faith and for life through faith in Jesus Christ. And I declare this morning that we would carry the mandate that Elijah passed on to John, who's passed it on to us that we would be pointing the way and clearing the path for you, Jesus, in our city. And I declare that a, that a path is being cleared, a highway is being made for you by your Spirit, God, to move in our city, to move in our city this Christmas and into this coming year, 2021. We declare a year of salvation. We declare a year of, of hope being restored, of loss being found, of your Spirit breaking through in our city, God. And we recognise it begins in us, God. Place on us a burden to pray. Place on us a burden to, to give up, to sacrifice, to consecrate our lives for Your higher kingdom purpose. God, use us, Jesus, we say. We are Yours. We are Your servants, God. Help us to, to speak Your truth, to bring Your gospel hope. Lord, help us to clear obstacles from people's paths so that they can come to know You, Jesus. We pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Finally, I want to I want to give that opportunity we do every week. That if you're here this morning, you're like, yeah, I need God in my life. I realize that my life is not right. There is sin, there is hurt, there's brokenness, and I need wholeness. You can only find that ultimately through the Spirit. Of God, You can only find it in the love and the forgiveness that Jesus gives us at the cross. See, Jesus loves you so much. He carried the burden of your sin. He took all that you did wrong on the cross with Him. He died. He paid the price for it so that you can know God 
face to face. You can come into relationship with Him. And so if you're here this morning and you think, man, I, I need to come into relationship with God. I haven't got my life sorted out. You can't sort your life out. Only God can do that. But He needs an invitation from you. He needs you to open your heart to Him and allow Him in. So just with every eye closed and head bowed in this moment, if you're here and you're like, yes, I need to open my life to God, to allow Him to come in, to, to bring reconciliation, to bring wholeness, then in this moment, just raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. It's cool. I see that hand there. Is anyone else? Awesome. I see those two hands. Anybody else wants to re respond? Maybe you've maybe you've been with Christ before, but you've walked away. Is that are those hands there? Yeah, awesome. That's cool. Anyone else? Maybe you you feel like you're just needing to come home. Okay, I want us to pray together this morning. Is that good, church? Okay, so you're gonna I'm gonna pray a line, then you're gonna pray it after me. Dear God, I come to you today and ask your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for taking my sin on the cross. I receive your love and your grace in my heart today. I am yours and you are mine now and forever. Amen. Awesome. Come on, put your hands together. That's so good. Hey, I would love to chat with you after the service. Come and grab me and we can talk about that decision that you made. Uh, that would be awesome. We're going to hand it back to Matt.